Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is gaining recognition as a wonderful resource for uh, small business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. From MSNBC's Your Business to Inc.com, uh, Proven, Fit Small Business, People First. Uh, this podcast is enjoying inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. And I am thrilled about that. Uh, it actually um, accomplishes something that's on my bucket list. Uh, and I know that it is mostly due to the wonderful guests that join me here. These are folks who have expertise in a variety of you know, areas of business, and they share that expertise and their time so that all of you, our listeners, can um, do better things and be more successful. Today, we have such a guest. It is Dana Kay. Dana is the founder of Kay Publicity Incorporated, a boutique PR company specializing in publishing and entertainment, the author of your book, Your Brand, the step-by-step guide to launching your book and boosting your sales, and the creator of Branding Outside the Box, where she helps driven entrepreneurs and aspiring leaders become more memorable. Thanks for joining me today, Dana. Thank you for having me. I, I'm really thrilled. I love this whole idea of uh, being memorable because uh, it, it's, it's absolutely what we need to do, and I think we're missing it. I don't think we're really talking about it. But will you share why it is so important to be memorable? Absolutely. I, I think we can all agree that our culture and our society are 
attention spans are shrinking, right? They're shortening and there's more noise than ever before. Um, We're inundated with ads, with social media, with people we meet, with people we work with. And it's really getting harder and harder to rise above the din. And what I've noticed from a lot of entrepreneurs, small business owners, and that they look at what everyone else is doing and think that they need to do that exact same thing. Um, And I think that what that leads is a bunch of people who are doing the same thing and you cannot distinguish one from the other. And instead, I help individuals hone in on what really makes them unique, kind of like what's their superpower and identify their brand values, uh, what they're really passionate about and take that to create a tagline or elevator pitch, whatever you want to call it, so that they can easily convey what they're all about in a very short amount of time. Because as I said, our attention spans are very, very short. You don't have, you know, more than maybe 30 seconds to get your message across. So that's really what I'm passionate about is if you dive into what makes someone really unique, what their values are, what they're passionate about, this extends beyond their, their job description or their role that they play or exactly what they do. Um, you'll be, make a more lasting and more meaningful impression. Yeah, I, I think that's so awesome. I, I often say to people, the worst question you can ask someone is, what do you do? Because they'll <laughs> tell you what they do. <laughs> Who cares? Right? It's more about who are you? And, and what are you all about and what matters to you and why you? So, yeah, mm-hmm. this, this totally resonates with me. Well, and that's interesting um, that you said that because it's when you say to someone, what do you do? They usually answer with their job title, right? right. They'll say, like, I'm an, right. a lawyer, I'm an accountant. But it actually doesn't tell people what you do, right? Like, you're not you know, saying I'm a doctor who helps who helps kids overcome severe injury. Like that's very descriptive. That's actually telling people what you do and that's going to make a more lasting impression. So it's interesting that disconnect between the what do you do question and we answer with like our job, like our our role or our title, uh, which isn't very descriptive. It isn't very telling. Yep. Yep, exactly. Okay. So small business owners are are listening to this and probably wondering the same thing that I'm, I'm about to ask you, which is what can they do to make a lasting impression? Because you're right. Our attention spans are really short. And mm-hmm. this, is, this, I think, is the thing that most people struggle with. Absolutely. So I think that it goes back to rather than being a sheep in the herd and rather than doing every, trying to fit in with what everyone else is doing, it's about going back to what makes you unique and going back to your brand story and your brand values. People are way more tuned in to the the individuals, the people behind the businesses, behind the products, behind the services. And if you can create a brand story and a brand message that resonates with people, they're going to become more loyal customers. Um, Some examples are places like Tom's Shoes, you know, that you buy a pair, they give a pair away to um, someone in another country. If there's a uh, brand of notebooks, and of course now the name is escaping me, um, that for every <laughs> for every notebook, they donate a dollar from every sale to an artist, um, to like a, a, the artist who created, you know, created that art to go on that notebook. So it's like you're getting a piece of art with every notebook. Um, 
there so people are very mindful about how they shop they want to shop and do business with people that are more than just their products and services um, if you are a, a consultant or a service provider it's the same thing like it in order to set yourself apart people want to do business with you and what you value what you're passionate about it's not necessarily if i'm hiring let's say account an accountant that's high on my mind recently um, if i <laughs> if i'm hiring an accountant anyone not anyone but most people most cpas can do your taxes but i want to do business with someone whose vision and philosophies align with mine my accountant specializes in entrepreneurs and small business owners but also creatives and he understands the types of challenges that we face and the types of struggles we have and we and him see eye to eye on our philosophy so being really clear about what your philosophy is, what your values are, and conveying that to your potential customers or clients, that's going to help attract the type of customers and clients you want to work with. I think there's a lot of focus on volume. People want more people on their mailing list. They want more foot traffic in their store. They want more, more, more. In fact, you actually don't need more. You just need the right people. You just need people. If you can have, you don't, let's say you have a, a, re, a brick and mortar retail. You don't need, you don't want hundreds of people in your store just browsing. You really don't. You want a handful of people coming in and purchasing because the hundreds of people who aren't purchasing is going to take staff. It's going to take resources. It's going to take cleanup. It's going to take more energy. And, but if you have two or three people that are coming in your store buying and then becoming brand ambassadors and talking to other people about your store and about your products, that's going to lead to more sales. So I think in this world where we're so focused on more followers, more email subscribers, more and more and more, we can actually take a step back and hone in on who do I want to do business with? And if the answer is everybody, you're probably not tuned in. <laughs> <laughs> to what your brand values are and what you are truly doing in your business. So thinking about who your ideal customer is and really speaking to that particular customer rather than trying to do what everyone else is doing and appeal to anyone and everyone. This is Seth. So I'm, the reason I was laughing is because th this is such an important thing that mm -hmm. I'm so glad you said because <laughs> this is what what this is what hangs small business owners up. They do think they want all the business, which mm -hmm. they don't, but they think they do. But I, I don't think it's. I think it's all fear based. I and I agree with what you said about it. it's some for some reason about volume. Which mm -hmm. when you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. Mm -hmm. Right, and because no one can grab that message. Absolutely, and I think that the. The vol it's, it is fear-based, and I think we have such a, a, like a comparison. We fall into the comparison trap so easily. Like if I, uh, you know, my primary company is a PR company. If I pass on a project and I see someone else gets it, I'll be like, oh, did I not see something? Should I have taken that project? What was I doing? What was I thinking? Um, but no, like it, it wasn't, it didn't align with my values, and someone else could do a better job if it aligns with theirs. And yeah. if you look at, at least in my, in service-based industries in particular, where 
every client that comes in, your every client you sign is going to require a certain amount of manpower, a certain amount of overhead, a certain amount of energy. And so if you're filling your roster with what I call no clients, like clients you probably should not have taken on, they're going to suck up more energy, more time, more resources, and they're in the end probably not going to be profitable. Whereas if you focused on attracting the ideal clients that you want to work with, that have the budget, that align with your values, that are going to bring in more clients like them, you'll be able to grow your business exponentially and more meaningfully. But I do think it's fear-based. I think that we have a comparison, we have a comparison issue with social media. Everything is so transparent. I can see what everyone is doing all the time and you're constantly second guessing yourself. But everyone, look, everyone has their different philosophy. My philosophy has always been about meaningful connections. I, I, I despise small talk. Um, much of social media I find very frustrating and annoying because it's not real, it's not authentic. Um, and so, when, but when you go back and view social media as a way to make a meaningful connection with people, maybe you know, by reading their content and responding to their content, by amplifying their message and sharing it to your platforms and making more meaningful connections, it doesn't feel so empty and void and noisy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe me, I, I, you are singing from the same hymnal, and I'm so glad. <laughs> and for all of you listeners out there, see, I'm not the only one who believes this. You are not. You should be <laughs> listening to Dana. So, and, and interesting, so when you were talking about really figuring out, you know, what you believe in and what matters to you and all that, and I just kept thinking, boy, there's people who are afraid to actually draw that line in the sand because they think, which is true, well, there's going to be people who that doesn't resonate with and they're not going to hire me. And they're, mm -hmm. they're upset about that when really they should be joyous about that. You're mm -hmm. right. They're not. They shouldn't anyway. You should be glad that you can make that really clear to people that you're not the right resource for them. Exactly. And, the, and even better, if you can refer to someone who is the right yeah. resource then yeah. you not only build the relationship and spread goodwill, but when the other person has someone that's not their cup of tea, but maybe yours, they'll send it back your way. I know that I, you know, again, publicists are, can be competitive in nature, but ultimately we all want to work with people that we want to work with. And if I have someone, I've referred people, I have a pool of referrals that if I have someone that's not a good fit for me, I'll send to two or three other people. Um, I get referrals from them. We all help each other out and we all work really hard to build our list with people that we really want to work with. And it's the same thing with on the entrepreneur side where if I have a, I recently had someone come to me like asking for specific career coaching and what she needed, I probably could have delivered on it, but there was yeah. someone who would have been better. And so yeah. I sent her to that person. Um, just for her specific needs. And that spreads goodwill. She's still in my network. You know, we may do business down the line, but because I was honest and I gave her someone who's going to do right by her in a way that even right. better than I could have. Yeah, I, I'm so all about this. And I think it, when people are willing to like take this leap of faith, if it is a leap for them, if they're willing to take it and, and stand on that hill and, and define mm -hmm. themselves and define their ideal client. 
I think they find that they enjoy the work that they're doing so much more that they're more resonant with more of the right people mm-hmm. to be able to do more and more business with. Oh, the, right. The right kind yeah, of client. Absolutely. And it's the same with if whether you're service-based or product-based. Like if you're making a product or selling a product just because someone told you you should, or you see someone else doing it, you're not going to be passionate about that product. And it's probably not going to be successful. If you're working with clients that you feel like you should take on, I mean, money is a factor. I, when we start, I started the PR company nearly 10 years ago. And when I did, I was turning down clients and my wife, who's a CPA and a you know, finance person is like, why are you turning down clients? Like you have no clients. And I said, I said, you know, I, my reputation is everything. I want to build my list with people who are talented, who are mediagenic, who are going to be good to work with. Um, And if I have the reputation for taking on anyone that will write a check, then my media contacts won't trust me. I won't be trusted by other people in the community. And you only have one chance to build a reputation. I forget who said, I think it may have been Richard Branson. Like it takes years and years to build a reputation and only seconds to destroy it. Um, And I think it's really important that you're only working with people. And maybe that means your business doesn't, the chasing down money. And again, money is a big factor. Chasing down the short-term money, it's a short-term thing. It's, it's not the long game. Um, And so if you can be patient and eat ramen for a few more months and really try to only fill your list and only fill your customer base with yes customers, it will pay off in the long run. Um, our, our client roster, the PR company, our client roster is completely full. Um, I only take on 1% of the people who, who query us. Um, and there's been times where I've had to turn down somebody because we were full. And I'm fine with that because we're working with good people. But can you imagine if I was, if I had three or four, like, no clients, three or four clients that were soul sucking, not, you know, upsetting, you know, not on brand. And then my dream client came along and I couldn't take them because I didn't have time by saying no to people. You're by saying no to certain things or certain products or certain clients, you're, you're leaving yourself room to say yes to the thing you really want. Absolutely. This could not be more, True, and I'm so grateful <clears throat> that that you gave voice to it because I know this is this really challenging. And you're right; it's because okay, so we need revenue. You're right; mm-hmm. you do. You need the right revenue. Mm-hmm. I call it chasing bad money. It, chasing bad money—that's a perfect way to put yeah. it. Perfect way. Yeah, to put it. it's just crazy. So, so let's talk about um, personal brand mm-hmm. because you know you mentioned it before, and and I get that it's important. I would like you to share with the listeners exactly what it is, because mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people hear it these days, and why it's important, and how do they create one, or know what theirs is, or sure thing. how do they figure it out? So I think a lot of people hear branding, and they think of like logos, and color schemes, and messaging, and all right. that, and that, and that's, it's a, a personal brand is a little bit different. At its, at its core, a personal brand is who you are and what you do. Now, that seems easy, but again, like we discussed earlier, most people say they lead with their name and job title, <laughs> which isn't necessarily a personal brand. So 
when I'm working with clients to help them identify their brand, I, I ask them a series of questions. Um, and uh, actually, I have a free worksheet on my website that people can download. It's uh, brandingoutsidethebox.com slash worksheet. And okay. the asking a series of questions about, you know, who do you serve? Who do you, who do you serve? How do you serve them? What are you passionate about? Mm. What is your worldview? Like, I think that's an important one. I know people don't think like, oh, I'm just like, you know, selling candles. Why do I need a worldview? Well, it plays into the who you are aspect. Um, and so asking yourself a series of questions that are, that speak to who you are, speak to your character and speak to what makes you unique. That's another key one. Like what separates you from others in your field? And I encourage your listeners and you know, anyone we've worked with to journal on these things. So, you know, take out a notepad. I prefer notepads on journal. Like again, what do you do? How do you do it? Who do you serve? Who's your ideal client? What's your outlook, your worldview? What are you really passionate about? What separates you from others in your field? Um, and journaling on that for a bit. And from there, you can start to identify maybe some patterns or highlight some things that, wow, like I didn't realize that that, that really resonates. Um, and then you can start to craft, I encourage everyone to craft three, three things. One is your elevator pitch or your tagline. That's a one, maybe two line pitch about who you are and what you do. Um, so you read mine when, um, when we started is, I help ent driven entrepreneurs and aspiring leaders become more memorable and make more meaningful connections. If I had said I'm a business coach or a career consultant or something, then that, that's not descriptive, yeah? Um, so, that, so that's really what I do. And, and that, that elevator pitch took a long time to craft. I had been talking about personal brands, but like you said, not everyone knows what a personal brand is. Yeah. So then I framed it about being more memorable because that's really what a personal brand is. It's about creating a lasting impression and becoming more memorable. So then I recrafted it and reframed it. Once you have your elevator pitch, then I encourage everyone to take three to five sentences, maybe a paragraph or two to create a brand summary. Now this would be what goes on your website, uh, maybe what goes on some of your promotional materials, um, it, it just expands on what you're all about. So it has a little bit more room. It can also be like the follow-up to a question of, hi, what do you do? You give them the elevator pitch. That's interesting, expand on that. Then you start into the brand summary. Um, and so your brand summary is what the copy you put on your website, on your about page, any promotional materials, pamphlets, uh, guides, things like that. From there, I also encourage every small business owner to create a mission statement. That mission statement may not, no one may see it. Like you may be the only one who sees it, but your mission statement is going to inform everything you do. So it's a bigger piece, a bigger document, maybe a page or two, the mission of your company, what you hope to accomplish, your goals, your values. And if you have that, it's going to inform every single decision that you make. When you think about, hmm, I think it's time to expand and I'm gonna hire some people. It, looking at your mission statement will help you, help you decide who you wanna hire, what types of people you wanna hire. Are they gonna be contractors or full-time employees? Um, you know, 
are they going to be remote or in under your in your office things like that um, it'll inform decisions about marketing opportunities speaking engagements other things that may come your way we're all faced with so many decisions all the time and it's easy to lose sight of what is really important so i constantly refer back to my mission statement if i have a podcast interview or a speaking engagement or um, a new client, I'll ask myself, okay, does this fall in line with my mission statement? Is it going to further the mission of this company? If the answer is no, I decline. It makes it really easy. It makes it very easy to make these decisions because you have clearly outlined in a non-emotional state <laughs> about who, what, who you are and what you do. And if you're in an emotional state, like you said, when we get emotional and fearful, we chase after bad money, we make bad decisions. So your mission yeah. statement is created as your, I view it as your compass. If you're not sure where you should go or what you should do, you refer back to your mission statement and it helps guide you. So that's the personal brand aspect is that if someone meets you or someone says, well, you're not in the room, um, you know, what does that person do or that person does this, that they're going to know exactly what you're all about and they can convey your message really easily and they'll know what sets you apart from the other people in your field. So I, I think all of, excuse me, <coughs> all of that is fabulous. Um, I find that where people get tripped up is on what makes them different from everyone else in their field. Yes, so, I agree. Right? Okay. So, so, and they end up saying things like, well, we have really great customer service. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you and everybody else. Next, mm -hmm. right? So, so, so are, are, how do they, I, mean, I don't know, is there a reason why people have a hard time differentiating themselves? Is it, we're our worst judges of our own character. Yeah. That's what it is. And we're so in the weeds on our business that it's easy to lose sight. Um, as small business owners, we're operating in a bubble oftentimes. I know there's, I'm sure many of your listeners are solopreneurs, whether it's their own, their only business, um, yeah. or they're the managers and they have employees, but like it's lonely at the top, right? So it's hard to... Yeah. We don't have that feedback. We don't have that collaboration. So I would say to any small business owner, if you can clue in with your chamber of commerce, with a Facebook group, with other entrepreneurs, um, a mastermind group, something where you can collaborate and get feedback, that is so valuable because we are the worst judges of our own our own stuff. Um, I can critique. I can critique anyone's like brand messaging. Um, I can ident easily identify what makes them unique. But when it came to my own, I even had to. I, it took me a year to hone in on a lot of our messaging because, again, I our platform is called branding outside the box. I believe that people understand the importance of a personal brand and branding, but they don't. And so I had to tweak my copy and make it more of an educational, an educational element to educate people on what a personal brand is, why they should care, and then go into how they can create it for themselves. So it's easy when you know your subject matter so well, 
it's easy to forget that other people don't. And what you think makes it unique may not be what other people find unique. So if you already, so if you have a business group or you have a, a, a networking group that you can get this feedback from, that's ideal. But you can also poll your customers or your clients and just say, when you work with us or when you shop at our store or purchase something through our website, what do you, why, why do you come to us over this person? What do you like most? What about your experience keeps you coming back? And that may, and if you see patterns, if people start saying over and over, I like your brand message or your products are really high in quality um, and they're a little bit more unique than some of the other things on the market, or I like your emails and you always suggest really great things um, and encourage me to buy, whatever it is, they may be like, oh, I didn't think that that email marketing even mattered or, oh, I didn't even like think about the quality of our products over other people. I thought I, was, I thought it was all about the Facebook ads and Google AdWords and whatnot. So I think if people, if you pull your customers, they're going to be very quick to tell you what's working and what's not. Um, but getting that feedback is really important. Yeah, I really like that a lot. I, I think it's so, it's such a good point that it's easy for other people to tell you what is unique about you or, you know, what they really value about you. And it is really hard for um, the rest of us to do it for ourselves. That, that I totally get. So I think that that's a great thing to go out and talk, talk to the people who know you, whether they're your clients or your networking, you know, your referral partners, mm-hmm. people who've been in business with you. Yeah. Cause they'll definitely tell you. Okay. Yeah. And they may not, and you may not know too, like what is the highest value? Like my, always my curiosity is like, what made someone decide to work with me over someone else or what made someone decide to buy this product over this? Like what made you do that? That's what I'm always curious about when I'm always, what I'm always asking. And so Sometimes you can answer that for yourself. You may know, like if you are an online entrepreneur and you have sales funnels, you can see where people bought at certain points in the funnel. So there's some data that can be collected, but oftentimes it's not as, let's say it's not as cut and dry, especially if it's a service provider. Sometimes I just get a good vibe from somebody and whatever that vibe is, it's working and I want to do business with them. But if someone tells me, like, you just had a good energy and a good vibe and I just want to work with you, then I can identify, okay, what is it about my energy? Like, what kind of energy do I have? How did I frame this conversation? Where did we meet? Um, And I can start to amplify that or just continue that. But sometimes it's little touches. I would say that, right, in, in this, again, it's a very crowded industry and I think some small personal touches like really make a difference. Um, I've worked with, I've done online courses and worked with business coaches in the past. Um, and some of them are better than others at this. I, I remember there's one coach that I had worked with who I signed up for her program and she called me like on the phone um, <laughs> to just check in and just see how everything was going. And I'm like, oh, you exist in real life. You're a person. Um, it was really, it was really nice. Uh, we started for our e-courses, we started using an app called Bonjoro. Um, a lot of people, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have been talking about it recently. Um, B-O-N-J-O-R-O. 
where it sends you a notification every time someone signs up for your e-course or your mailing list or anything else. And it sends you a little notification that you can open the app and I can record a video for that person right there saying, so glad you joined the personal brand masterclass. Looking forward to seeing you. If you have any questions, you know, and, and call them by name. Um, if they have a website, I'll look at their website and say, I notice you're a photographer. That's so cool. I love photography. Um, and that kind of personalized attention makes a difference because they just spent, you know, a few hundred dollars on a course. They may be like, oh, I don't know if I did the right thing. And then they get a video from me saying, hey, like I'm here. And even um, the, the, the most watched videos that people appreciate the most are the ones where I'm either um, like out somewhere. Um, there was one, I was, I just recently got back from, uh, from vacation and I had a layover in Vienna and I just saw that someone registered for something. And so I did a thing from Vienna. <laughs> I said, I'm actually abroad. Um, and she was so tickled that I took the time to do that, that uh, she was, it, it engages your audience in a bigger way. So I think that those personal touches really, really do make a difference. So thinking about in your business, how you can make a more personalized recommendation or take a more personalized touch or go above and beyond. Cause that didn't cost me anything. It cost me three minutes. If that, um, right. I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I'll give a free gift or I'll free something or a free call or whatever. But the truth is, is like, it doesn't have to be something of high value. It can just be like a little touch point that makes people feel like, okay, you care. You're there. You're a person. You're not a a bot or a, you know, a bot or a website or a, an app, you're, you're actually a person. So that's interesting to me because I, I think there, it sounds like, and I would agree with this, that there's an increased value in that personal touch as opposed to the usual standard, you get the follow-up email or even getting something in the mail for someone to do something that's that really like the handwritten note is so valuable because people don't do it. They Absolutely. take the easy way. They right. They they shoot off a quick email instead of really taking the time. So 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 that is if that if someone values that mm -hmm. they should. But if they value that, then making that a part of their process can really have a big impact on the people who have a value in that sort of one hundred percent. And that's another reason that it's so important to not focus on volume. Because yeah. if you're focusing on volume, you can't do this. Like right. I can't, like I don't send a little video to anyone who signs up for our newsletter because then I'd be sending like 10 a day. And yeah. <laughs> if, but I can, even if 50 people sign up for our e-course during a launch, like I can sit down and do 50 really quick videos. That's, that, I mean, they just did business with me. Why wouldn't I do that? Um, right. And so I think that that's, it goes back to that it's, it, the volume is problematic. Having too many clients and having too many customers is problematic. Like at the very least, it means you're paying for more newsletter subscribers that you're not actually, that aren't doing business with you, or you're paying right. to have a, you know, a bigger website server because you're getting a lot of, you know, traffic and action, but no sales. Volume isn't what you necessarily want. Um, we, we've had very, our, our mailing list is fairly small, um, but we've had really successful launches with certain lists that are under a thousand people. Um, and it, it's because we cultivate those relationships. We send high value content. We make sure that if people haven't opened our email in a year, we'll contact them and say, do you still want to hear from us? If they don't respond, then we take them off the list. Um, 
And I think that if we really focus on cultivating that customer, that customer experience will have a lot more, a higher rate of return. Um, this, this led me to one other thing I want to mention that everyone knows the adage that it's way more expensive to, to sign a new client than it is to re-up an existing one, right? Like everyone right, knows right. that. Um, yeah. And so, but we, we forget it. We think we're so yeah. focused on new leads. <laughs> That's what's so funny to me. Like we're so focused on new leads and new customers and new, new, new. But what if you could just create things for the customers you have? Like what if you can really find out what makes them tick and what they need? Um, you know, like this year, I, we have a personal brand masterclass. And this year I created a workbook, like a print workbook. People wanted stuff in the mail. People wanted like something they can hold on to. Um, I had written this one book. I thought that that would be my last one. but someone had a few people had mentioned like, you know, these PDFs that you send are really good, but I'd really love to like, you know, go to a coffee shop and sit with this and write in things. And so I made that. And instead of focusing on more people to maybe like sign up for our e-courses, now I have this product that if they can't afford our e-course, they can get the book, which is at a much lower price point. Um, so now I'm serving a new audience or serving something, serving my audience I currently have. Um, so I think that if we focus a lot on, we have this audience, what else, not necessarily like what else can I sell them, but how else can I serve them? And in those ways, it, it becomes again, a lot more human. You're responding to their needs. You're cultivating those relationships, but it's also way cheaper because once they've done business with you, they're more likely to do business with you again, if you listen. So rather than chasing down all the new, um, you know, the, the, the leads with the Facebook ads or the Google AdWords or mailers or whatever, um, which is really not personalized, really focusing on taking your customer base that you have and honing in on how you can serve them better. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I think that is really, really important. And it's funny, people, <laughs> we get that weird hunter mentality, right? Oh, great. I have the client. Now I got to go get another one. It's like, okay, yeah. wait, that's this person, this company here that likes you, needs you. They've already, they, they already trust you. Mm -hmm. Cultivate those relationships with them. And I loved that you were listening when people were saying, hey, you know, I'd really like X. And, and I think a lot of people go, okay, yeah, whatever. I mean, seriously, mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to spend the time or, or the investment in that. But when you do, it creates a whole other product line. Yep. So, right, for those clients and can open up other markets to, to whole other, you know, groups of potential clients. Absolutely. And so, yeah, with the personal brand workbook, I, I gifted it to everyone who's currently in the course. Cause that's the deal, right? If you're in the course, any upgrades or any new content yeah. is yours. And I stuck to that. And, but what, ha and I thought that I was just going to create it for them and create it as an add on for future launches. But then um, someone in my team was like, well, you could just sell this on the web website too. And you could, you know, Ingram, we did it through Ingram and they distribute to Amazon and Barnes and Noble and it went everywhere. I'm like, all right, that was super easy. Um, why not? It's not gonna, I don't think Amazon's gonna move hundreds of thousands of copies, but if they do great. Um, but it's, it's one more thing, one more, rev, one more revenue stream, one more way to free, for people to find me. Um, but ultimately it's about the, the current students who are in the program that are now getting this workbook and getting the thing that they, the thing that they wanted. So that to me is really exciting. 
Um, there's yeah. another entrepreneur, I believe her name is Nicole Waters, um, who talks about the funnel after the funnel. And it's the, the process after you have made a sale or have signed a client. And it's the one that we forget. Like, how can you create that customer experience and continue with a person once they've agreed to do business with you. And I think that that's, again, like you said, it's that hunter mentality of, okay, we got the kill, they're on, okay, bye. But if, they're not, if you're not keeping them happy and you're not cultivating that relationship, like right. they're not gonna be ongoing, they're not gonna be ongoing clients. Um, I would say 50 to 60% of the people who work with us for one project work with us on an ongoing basis. Um, we have so many repeat clients. We work with people for on a long term. A lot of our clients are on one year contracts, and it, it's because they they see what we do. We, we're involved in like every aspect of their their lives, pretty much from like the the marketing to the publicity to their events to their travel schedule to you know making sure that like that the event that the radio interview they're doing doesn't mash up with child pickup from school and you know it's like very we're very ingrained in their lives um we're their person when um they get a bad review in the new York, you know we had one author who had the new york times slammed his book and we we talked on the phone with him quite a bit that week about why did this happen and what do you think we should do and do you think that they're right and is this going to affect my contract you know and it, it's we want to be their person and that's why and those are the type of people that work with us that's what i like there's other yeah. clients who just want to do the quick hits and just media and not get involved with marketing and there's other publicists for them um it goes back to attracting your target client like how do you want to work with people who do you want to work and if you would rather work with somebody for a month and then dismiss them, then you should be able to present those packages and, and attract those clients. Um, that's not, but that's not what I'm all about. I like to be very ingrained in everything um, and do everything possible for the, for the book and the author. <laughs> this is great. I have got to take a sponsor break. Um, so that's right. On and then we'll talk about more on the other side. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're talking with Dana Kay about becoming more memorable in this quick hit culture. So let's talk some about that ideal client um, because since it is so important that we're talking to them, for folks who think that they're talking to everybody, um, <laughs> how do they identify who, who that ideal client is? Like, what are the characteristics they should be looking for? Yeah, so I usually talk about the customer avatar, um, looking at kind of a, a, a prototype, I guess, of what a typical client or a typical customer would look like. Um, you know, some people will go to like 
age, gender, like those sorts of demographics. But I first look at what are the problems that they are looking to solve. Like that's the first thing. Um, so like for our clients at Branding Outside the Box, they are people in their careers who have plateaued and are struggling to get to the next level. They're people who want to accelerate their, their business, get promoted, um, you know, get to the C-suite or have a, a million dollar launch or whatever it is. Um, they, they're driven. They want, they're not happy where they are. So that's our target client. And that can take many forms. We work with people in corporate. We work with people uh, who are in the online space. We work with millennials. We work with boomers. We work with um, Gen Xers, all types of people. But it's so if I were to hone in on like, I work with millennials, mostly female doing this, Y, and Z, it, it would be limiting in that way. I'm, I'm more about looking at what their problems are and how I can solve them. For, for some people, they may want to focus on working with women um, or they may want to focus on working with millennials or they may want to focus on a particular industry. Obviously, our PR company focuses on authors. That's our target audience. Um, but it's really how, who you want to help and how. So taking a look at what sort of problems you solve and, so and then who has those problems. Yeah. And also a lot of it has to do with your industry knowledge and your personality. Um, so some of you may be working in a certain industry where you know, a certain, like maybe it's you have a law practice or you, you know, do jewelry design or whatever it may be. Um, so there is some industry standard, but ultimately you are solving some sort of problem. Um, the problem may be the problem may be that they're looking for a gift for a wedding, or they're looking for something cute to wear. Um, you know, like for the jewelry design example, like it could be like they're looking for a gift, or they're looking for something of themselves. You're solving you're solving that problem. So I I recommend starting there. And then looking at what else. So looking at if there are things like, okay, if they're looking, to, let's say, to buy a gift for a wedding, like what else are they going to be looking for? Are they also, are they the bridesmaid where they're helping, they're looking at other places, like for, I don't know, fun bachelorette parties or other things, and looking at where else they're getting information, where else are they seeking things? That's going to help you identify referral streams um, or media outlets to pitch or other places to contact to help you market. But looking at what you're, what you're solving, what problems that your ideal client has that you're solving for them and where else they're getting their information or sometimes what else they're, they need, what other struggles they have. Um, so again, for, for us, we work with people who are struggling to get to the next level in their career. I find that time is another thing that they are struggling with because driven entrepreneurs and aspiring leaders don't have much time. So that's also why we talk a lot about, I have a lot of content on productivity and a lot of training on how to become more productive because that's another way we can serve that audience. So if you are able to identify what their problems are, you can speak, it will feel broad, like saying a driven entrepreneur or an aspiring leader is very broad that can be male, female, young, old, in a rural area, an urban area, but their problems are all the same. And if you can speak to someone's problems and speak to how you can offer a solution, that's going to resonate far more than 
I know you're a working mom and like, I know you <laughs> or like living the lit life in the, you know, in the country is hard. Um, you're going to, you're going to, it's going to resonate. It's going to hit their pain points a lot, a lot more. Um, again, just speaking from my own entrepreneur, I was in a mastermind group with other mostly female entrepreneurs. Um, but we all have, you know, there was a girl who was 23 and killing it. Uh, she was amazing, but yeah, her, she's a totally different demographic than me. Um, there was other working moms, um, some were in the city, some were in the country, um, some are in their forties and fifties, um, some are in their thirties. Like we were all different, but what unified us is that we're all entrepreneurs, uh, mostly online entrepreneurs. We're all entrepreneurs. And so we, we have similar pain points, right? right? And so I think speaking to your, your ideal customer's pain point um, and really drilling down um, will help. Then once you have a broad sense to, to niche even further, you can look at your personal strengths as, a, as what you are delivering and how, what type of person would best fit for you. So for me, I'm very blunt and very straightforward, and I tend to not sugarcoat things. So a very delicate, sensitive flower is probably not going to want to work with me. <laughs> and if that's the case, <laughs> if yeah. I have a delicate, sensitive flower, I have another person that I can sometimes refer. Um, and also, I, I like working with people I don't like shepherding people up a mountain. Um, I like people who are ready to go up that mountain with me. So yeah. whereas other people thrive on motivating, like I would never call myself a motivational speaker or a motivational coach because I need someone who is already motivated and just needs right. some guidance on how to get there. So those are the other questions to ask. Once you know what your ideal clients or customers problems are and how you solve them, then you can even niche down further and dive further into the type of your type of personality, your style, again, your values and outlook, and how that would fit into your your target audience. Boy, I so love this because <laughs> it, I, seriously, I good. I'm glad. I really people so struggle with this. This makes so much sense to me that if you first look at the problem, then you say, okay, who has that problem, and of the people who or companies that have the problem which are the ones that are going to, that I'm going to want to work with mm -hmm. and are going to want to work with me. Cause you're right. We all have certain personalities. We have certain sorts of people that we connect with. It's all good. Mm -hmm. That is great. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, I really, I love that. Thank you very much for that. that My pleasure. Awesome. Um, so interestingly, we've been having this conversation and then all of a sudden this thought comes in my head that sometimes people can be memorable for the wrong reasons. Absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so are there things, this may sound like a really serious question, but are there things mm -hmm. we should be watching out for, like things we should not be doing or it, as far as how we're marketing or messaging or, you know, any of those sorts yep. of things so we don't end up in that trap. Absolutely. Um, my, cool. my, my first rule always is to be a human and be kind always. Oh, I think great. that we, we forget a lot of us are behind our computers and in the safety of our, you know, behind our phones and keyboards. And I think we forget um, it's really easy to, 
dismiss somebody. It's really easy to get irritated or to get um, terse and maybe rude. I think that if you give people the benefit of the doubt and lead with kindness, it is in your best interest. And I have a I have a method, like when we, like I said, we only take on like 1% of the people who come our way. Um, and as a, and sometimes we get kind of far down the road with an author where I, I, I like the author. I think the book could be good. I think we could do right by it. And then I read the book and it's just not there. Um, and then I have to reject that and that's hard. And so I always try to be mindful of, you know, you have a lot of potential. Ultimately, it's just not the right fit for me, but I really appreciate it. I'd love to give you a referral. I wish you all the best. Um, I've offered proposals on the, on the flip side. I've offered proposals to clients and they end up not choosing me. And I could be, you know, jerky and be like, well, fine then um, <laughs> and stomp off. <laughs> but instead, I wish them all the best. And even um, there's a few authors who did who passed um who, did, who chose to work with somebody else and if later i see their book getting a lot of coverage i will always write them to congratulate them um and i think that that's to be a human and to be kind is really really important i know that i'm i'm definitely not the busiest entrepreneur out there there's people who are far more busy than i uh, but i'm also busy and I, my time is extremely limited and i think that it's easy to get, you know, abrasive or say, you know, no, I won't meet with you or no, uh, or just ignore the emails of people who want to pick your brain and, you know, just dismiss people um, when they meet you at places. But if you try to keep an open mind and just try to tell, like, try to reiterate to yourself that people are doing their best, they may not know, like they're not educated on the, the, let's say the principles of networking or things like that. Um, just try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, the other pieces are the, that I'm seeing as of late, and we won't have to, you don't have to dive too much into politics, um, is that people are very angry. Um, there's a lot of <laughs> anger um, and feelings around what's going on in our world. Um, and frankly, if you're not having feelings, then you may not be paying attention. Um, yeah. And so we have gotten so wrapped up in these feelings that we forget that majority of us are small business owners and therefore public figures. And anything that we are putting out into the world is going to reflect back on our business. Even if people agree with you, even if one, if you think that everyone agrees with you, you're wrong. At least half of the people in your audience don't agree with you. And uh, it's just statistically speaking. Um, but also I, I personally, if I am in a, like a networking event or let's say even a cocktail party and I see someone in the corner with a group of people and that person's like yelling and ranting and raving, no part of me wants to go over there and engage in a conversation. I'm not like, Ooh, that's the conversation I want to be in. Let me go over. No one wants to talk to the angry person in the room. It's a turnoff. Even if you agree with everything that they are saying, it still feels um, antagonistic. It feels abrasive and we don't want to do business that way. So I think a lot of people over this, over this past year have forgotten that everything they post is visible. If you have a if you're not using your social media for business and you're set to private, then maybe not. Um, but everything you put out there is highly visible. And so just to be mindful of you, you're as a small business owner, you are also a public figure. It may be your personal Instagram or your personal Twitter feed, 
that you're associated with your business, you are your business. And to be mindful of how you are coming across, especially online where there is no tone. Yeah. Um, so those are my right. the People two biggest. Tone <laughs> in it. Those are good. Exactly. Yeah. Those are my two big ones: is to be kind and be human, and just be mindful of what you're putting out there and what it's projecting. Um, you may think that you are, you know, singing to the speaking to the crowd or making yeah. a difference, and and occasionally there is me- there are messages that need to be shared. Um, it should have some purpose. It should have some strategy. If you are not maybe deleting or editing at least every third tweet, then you're probably not censoring yourself or being selective enough. Um, (laughs) But just being really mindful about what you're putting out there. There's been so many times where I've seen something in the news cycle or heard something on the street and just like want to get out my phone and just be like, can you imagine all of this? But I'm a public figure. I, it's my, my handle, my, my name is my business. And it's really important to be my, remember that, um, that you may feel like you're, you're preaching to your, cry, your choir and your tribe, um, but there, statistically there will be half of the people in that tribe who you will be alienating. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's so interesting. I, um, I used to speak a lot about social media and, mm. you know, everyone is so, there's so many people who, are either afraid of it or they're not sure or whatever. And what I always say to them is make a decision about who you are and be that person all the time. Correct. Because, and, and remember that you can have private conversations with anybody at any time, but what, and, and I've had people say to me, listen, I don't care. This is who I am. And if people don't want to work with me because of my views, then better I find out now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you're making a, a strategic decision that and you will bear the consequences of that decision. Correct. That, okay. As long as you're doing it um, with an awareness of the potential fallout, then okay, yeah. it's not something I would suggest. And, well, and, and I always ask like what their goal is. Like I'm a, yeah. I'm a fairly pragmatic person, um, and so it's like, what is your goal by post by writing that up at? What are you hoping to accomplish? What are you hoping to yeah. accomplish by tweeting? If it's to get your feelings out, then write it in your diary. Like, it's just like, if you want to, if it's just for a personal gratification or a personal um, yeah. affirmation, then yeah, save it privately, save it, tell it to your spouse, your friends, your whatever. Um, and the stuff on the internet doesn't go away. Like, and you may, you may feel differently. You may feel differently later. Um, I think if it's something we've had a number of authors who have come out on the political front, um, with the purpose of elevating something, like maybe they're going to, they're helping a local official get elected and they want to use their platform to get signatures or there's a petition or something. And there's some purpose to it, then we can talk that through. Um, but in terms of if it's just for your own to make you feel better, it's such a shame to ruin your social media presence or your brand to make yourself feel better for 10 seconds. Um, it's also the thing too, is like, if this is a part of your brand, like we have a number of, we've worked with a number of authors who do write about politics and society and culture. And like, this falls in line perfectly with 
what they are with, with their brand. But if you've never written about this stuff, you've never commented on the news cycle and you've never commented on politics or policy and all of a sudden you start doing it, it's the equivalent of if you opened that can of Coke that you've been drinking every day and all of a sudden it tasted like Sprite. You would never buy that Coke again because you cannot trust it any longer. You have no idea what's in that bottle. And so if you, you have to be really mindful and strategic about people know something about you. Like people follow you for a certain reason. They follow you for a certain type of content. Like I post about branding and entrepreneurship and productivity and work-life balance and all that stuff. So if I all of a sudden started taking daily Instagrams of my food, people would be like, well, what's this? Like it doesn't, right. you know, this isn't what I signed up for, unfollow. So you have to right. think about that as well. Like people are signing yeah. on for what you're delivering. And if you're doing a complete 180 with your content, just because you have feelings about what went on in the news cycle that day, yeah. you're going to lose followers and not necessarily because they disagree with you, but because it's not what they signed up for. I don't want political rantings in my feed. It's not something I choose to fill my life with. Um, other right. people thrive on that. And that's, that's totally 100% fine. But if I all of a sudden have someone in my feed, that's like going on and on ranting and raving um, I will unfollow. Um, there's just certain things. It's like, um, I have some Facebook friends who, um, they're very much about, you know, dog saving dogs. And that's totally fine. I can't see that in my feed. Otherwise I will be driving out to pounds at all hours of the day <laughs> to go save some dog from getting killed. Like I, you know, I just had to unfollow a bunch of people because they would post, you know, this cute little pit bull who's going to be killed if yeah. I don't drive five hours to go get him. That's how I feel. <laughs> um, and so I had to unfollow them. So I, I don't see that anymore. It's those type of things. Right. Like if you, if you give someone something completely different than what they're used to, they're just going to unfollow you and you don't want to alienate yeah. those people. Yep. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, Dana, I, I so have loved every minute of this. I really, I, Me too. I'm Thank so you. grateful. Oh, you're welcome. Will you tell the listeners how they can get your book and how they can get in touch with you and learn about your, you know, master classes and yeah. everything you got going on? So the home is brandingoutsidethebox.com. Um, so there I have a week, a biweekly blog. I have a biweekly newsletter. If you're not basically, you know, every other week you're getting every week, you're getting something. Um, there's a resource library. There's work. There's the workbook. There's the, your book, your brand book. Um, all the good stuff is at brandingoutsidethebox.com. And if you want the worksheet, that's probably the best place to start if you're looking to launch your personal brand, uh, brandingoutsidethebox.com slash worksheet. Uh, and that's a free, free download. Awesome. Thank you. And I want to, of course, thank the listeners. You got an awful lot of good stuff today. So uh, and listen to it a couple of times because you're going to want to really absorb all that. And our sponsor, um, remember to visit our sponsor to get a free trial and a free audiobook. Go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about 
and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.